Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman and Chris Peters of Flow Hockey for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series, a special Saturday edition, holiday edition of the show right before the World Junior Tournament. Obviously, we, we've kind of done uh, some previews already for this tournament, but uh, some big pre-tournament games, none bigger than today, USA, Canada, and Corey. Uh, it didn't feel like a pre-tournament game one bit. It's an overtime game. It got physical. Uh, what stood out to you in, in this one? Well, I think we can go into this tournament and from at least not just this game, but from watching the pre-tournament in general, and conclude that there is no clear favorite in this World Junior Tournament. USA has a good team. Canada has a good team. Sweden has a good team. Even Finland has a good team. But I, I think there are flaws in each of those rosters, and this is not like, I'd say, a typical Canadian team that comes in and, and is clearly above the rest of the crop. And while this USA team, I think, is the odds-on favorite, um, as we'll get into in this podcast, there are some notable weaknesses in this team uh, that led to them uh, losing their 5-3 lead and will be issues to monitor in the tough games as the tournament gets going. Before we we really dig in here and, and understanding that we are not exactly a house of learned doctors here on this podcast, Chris, uh, some medical <laughs> uh, changes, medical necessitated changes to the Team Canada roster. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's certainly unfortunate for both Tanner Mullendike and Tristan Luno, who we now know will not be able to participate. Um, you know, Jorian Donovan was added as a basically a safety net. Uh, he, they didn't announce him for the roster on uh, Friday. However, on Saturday, Hockey Canada announced that both Donovan and Ty Nelson, uh, who were previously cut from their selection camp, will both be on the roster. Neither Molendike nor Luno on the roster. That's a significant shift in, you know, in terms of what Canada expected to go in with and what they will go in with now. Tristan Luno, NHL time this season, played very well for the Ducks. He has an illness that won't allow him to compete. So that is pretty troubling for, for Team Canada. And then on top of that, you've got Tanner Molendike, who was hurt during the pre-tournament selection camp. And you know, worked his way back, was ready to go, and then he got hurt again against Switzerland and is out. So, you know, you lose a, a, just a tremendous skater in Molendike. I think one of the best things about his game, you know, is the pace that he plays with. Um, and then you also lose Luno with that experience, you know, QMJHL Defenseman of the Year. Um, so Canada now with a material change just days before the tournament begins. And uh, you just, you know, after already losing so many guys to the NHL to lose two more defensemen, definitely will impact this team 
probably negatively, but you know, I think Donovan actually played very well in their pre-tournament game after getting off a flight. And, you know, we'll see what Ty Nelson can bring with his offensive minded play. They will get to uh, keep Macklin Celebrini. Uh, there was obviously he has the hit in the, the pre-tournament game a couple of days ago that there was some question. Would he be suspended? He is not. And that's a pretty big deal for, for Canada, Corey, because through these pre-tournament games, has he been their best player? One of their best players? How would you characterize it? I think he's been clearly their best player. Uh, whether wherever he's listed on the depth chart, whether first, second, I think technically on the second game, he was technically the fourth line center. Uh, but in terms of when you actually watch the games and see how he's contributing, he has been their most consistent player at even strength, uh, excellent skater, excellent compete level. And so even as a 17 year old, he's able to drive a play and he's just super creative with the puck. I mean, this is, I think he's, he's one of the, you know, the very best prospects I've seen in the draft eligible. Like there's no clear flaw in this guy's game. He's, absolutely dynamic and, and well-rounded. Uh, and I think, you know, whether it's at even strength on the offense side, the defense side, on the power play, he's making an impact all over the ice. And uh, they, and that he's not going to be suspended for their over against Finland is huge uh, because they're in a tough group with Finland, with Sweden. Uh, the standings there are really going to matter when it comes to the crossovers uh, in, in the quarterfinals. So making sure Celebrini is available is huge for Canada. What did he finish with? Was it eight eight points in three pre-tournament games? Seven? I forget. There one. I mean, he had the one called off on the high stick, but I think he. I think it was uh, the number was crazy. It was at least two points a game. Yeah, he was. He was. He was over two points. I believe it was seven. Um, yeah. two points a game, and then you know eight if you count his high stick goal. Which, like, let's give Macklin Celebrini credit. He's like, no nah, man, didn't score high stick. All good. It's a pre-tournament game. Of course, he wouldn't do that in a real game, but. Uh, props to him for, you know, honesty is the best policy, as my mom always said. He does get the credit for the kick goal that we think would have come off the board it had Correct. they been able to review it. But I actually do love the crash to the net there, and I don't even mind him getting a little bit of credit for that. I, I actually kind of miss when plays like that could, uh, could you could get away with them. Um, Canada's fourth line, though, Corey, I think is the other story here that we want to hit. And there was one specific sequence. I think it was an Owen Allard goal in the end. But Danielson, Beck, Allard, they keep this possession alive for like 60 70 seconds multiple forced turnovers on the four check and, and they just basically wore team usa down until a large chips a goal in i haven't looked at the ice time yet uh for for this game against the u.s but i believe in the game against switzerland uh those three played among the most minutes uh for the canadian forwards i think danielson actually led uh the canadian pl- forwards in ice time and i in this game they they weren't being played like a fourth line. I mean, that, they were out there on the penalty kill. The Lord actually was on the second power play unit, replacing Easton Cowan in this game against the Americans. And in general, that line has been, I think, their most consistent, even strength line. Um, you know, I mean, just, just a ton of pressure. They all skate really well. Uh, they all compete very hard, and and they are generating offense. It's not. I don't think it, that those combination of players have high end skill. Maybe Daniels in the most of the three, but I don't think any of them are really known for their dynamic playmaking. But uh, just because they have to puck so much, uh, it's been leading to a lot of scoring chances for that unit. And I think, you know, when they start getting into the real games, uh, this is not like a fourth line energy line. I think this is going to be a legit matchup line uh, that they're going to use to try to keep the puck away from the opponent's best players. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, Corey, on the USA side, obviously I think the the Gautier line seemed like it had a a decent dose of the uh, Canada's kind of matchup line, but the BC line, and specifically Ryan Leonard, I think, uh, really was was one of the standout stories of this game. Yeah, I mean, I've liked the BC um, trio, even though they haven't always been a trio. There was some line mixing up in the first game. And of course, they're not, not the three of them aren't on the same power play unit. The three of them being Will Smith, Gabe Perot, and as you mentioned, Ryan Leonard, who was named player of the game against Canada today. I, I For my money, I think they've been USA's best line at even strength. I mean, when Will Smith or Gabe Perot touches the puck, I mean, the way their brains work, their skill, their vision are just outstanding. I think Smith, through their first two games, uh, for me, has been their best player at even strength. I think he's been outstanding uh, in, in the in the pre-tournament. We'll see when the real game starts, but he looks like he's making an impact. And, you know, when they have the puck, uh, you know, so much happens. Uh, I just – I think, you know, right now they've been listed as, quote-unquote, the third line and I, you know, it's, this is pre-tournament. So you don't want to read too much into ice time, but it seems like, you know, USA was trying to play the Gauthier line a lot, trying to play the Nazar line a lot. But I think if this keeps up going into the real games, they're going to have to start leaning on these, uh, the BC line, even though they are younger than the Nazar line and younger than the Gauthier line. And so much of that, Chris, just comes down to how automatic it looks for these guys to play with each other. It's, it's second nature at this point. Will Smith knows where Gabe Perot is going to be. Gabe Perot knows where Ryan Leonard is going to be. And it makes for some really easy tic-tac-toes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the the incredible, like, I don't know how many blind passes in the space they hit. I mean, you know, like, it, you, you for other players, you would be nervous about some of the plays that they make. But, you know, to Corey's point, too, there were a couple of instances about, like, when, in terms of how Will Smith and, and Gabe Perot touch, like, their puck touches. Their first touch is always great. It's like perfect. Even the pucks bouncing on them, they find a way to settle it. You know, they they make these little kind of slip passes and drop passes and all these different things where it's just like, you know, their brain is operating at a different level than so many of the players on there. And nobody knows where it's going except for them. Like, it, it's just amazing to kind of watch that work. And then, you know, I think Ryan Leonard is one of those players where we talk about, you know, his his physicality, his shot, those different things. But gosh, you watch him with his hands as well and the little plays that he can make. I mean, he scored a nice goal where he was in, you know, kind of sent the the goalie guessing and was able to, to get a backhand in. I mean, it was wide open, but still, you know, he makes the play and uh, I think his puck touches are really good. So to, I think that 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 group, you know, the three of them are they're all in the power play. They're separate. But, you know, there's so much to like about the way that they're playing right now. And, you know, the thing about Ryan Leonard in both pre-tournament games against Sweden and against Canada, the amount of grief he generated from the other team in terms of extra shots after the whistle, trying to, you know, trying to get into his head. I mean, it was just very clear that he was annoying to everybody 
So you, when you have a player that was a 51 goal scorer last year, um, a guy who has been on a tear through November in his college at, at Boston College, I mean, he is playing at the top of his game right now, and that is a great thing for Team USA. Team USA also got some contributions down the lineup. Uh, Canada not alone in that. Oliver Moore and, and I think Quinn Finley had the first goal tonight. But Corey, my my question, I think, and it's been the question around Team USA since we started looking at it, is is the blue line, and I think. Obviously, Lane Hudson has a remarkable game-winning goal in overtime, strips the puck off back, takes it in, and scores. Who's going to be the shutdown guy, though, for this USA Blue Line? It is a good question. As you said, Hudson you know, scores the, the great overtime goal, had an absolutely remarkable uh, primary assist on Quinn Finley's goal to, to open the game there for the United States. Uh, but it's unclear who's going to be the tough-minute matchup uh, player for U.S., I think some were hoping it would be Ryan Chesley. Um, I thought he was better today. wasn't so good in the first game against Sweden. Um, you know, I think Zeev Boyum has had his struggles that time. Uh, down the lineup, I think there's some decisions on whether the sixth defenseman is going to be Sam Rizal or Eric Polkamp. I think both had decent enough games today to at least you know pitch their case to the Team U.S. brass. Uh, Zeev Boyum has really struggled defensively and is probably going to have to be you know sheltered in some capacity by the coaching staff. So the one guy that I think that's left that I haven't really mentioned is Drew Fortescue, who is an 18-year-old, mind you, but he's one of the only defensemen on, you know, who has size, mobility, and some tenacity in his game. And from what I've seen so far, maybe Chris disagrees, but I mean, Fortescue has been on the ice. He seems to be the only defenseman who I haven't noticed in a significant negative manner when it comes to his defensive play. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, I, I think that uh, Fortescue's skating ability um, has been on display here, and that he's he does have that that mobility factor. And I think that you know he's played his way into being a a higher minutes defenseman for this team. Um, you know, to what what our concern was was the USA's ability to defend the interior, and we saw a, a number of instances where Canada's bigger forwards were able to get to the middle pretty easily. Um, and also, I thought the power play or the penalty kill looked awful today, um, and that was another thing where you know there was, and, and a lot of it was because they were allowing so many shots from the slot, and it was just like, how is this even? You know, you're not going to win hockey games if you're, or, and you're not going to have a high penalty kill rate. If you're if you're giving that much up and every single defenseman was getting a turn. So it wasn't like they had two set guys that were going to be in there. So I think once they figure out and I, I think Fortescue will be a primary penalty killer. I'd imagine Ryan Chesley will be a significant penalty killer for the team. Um, Seamus Casey with his skating ability. I think he's going to kill. And he, I even think Hudson's going to kill some penalties as well. So, you know, I think that this is going to be an interesting kind of uh, situation for USA to, to look at. Um, I do think, you know, Sam Renzel has. He's the biggest defenseman. I think he's made a case. He's made a strong case to be in the top in their six. Um, you know, but it's again, you you kind of just look at a lot of these guys. They're going to be entering this tournament with eyes open to a, a very very new challenge to a lot of them. Um, Rinzel being one of them, Eric Polkamp being one of them. Um, you know, they haven't really played on this kind of stage before. And even though they play in college hockey and, and are in big buildings and everything like that, there's just a different level of 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 attention. So, um, you know, I think the, the key for them and, and what they always knew is that they have to they have to get established possession. There were way too many shifts in that third period where they got absolutely caved in. They had chances to get pucks out and they were getting pucks taken away from them. 
Um, I thought that was an area where Zeke Booyam and, and Eric Polkamp, they had, a, they had one shift where they were just kind of caved in for almost two minutes, it felt like. And um, those are the things that have to be cleaned up before USA is going to have success in the tournament. But, um, you know, just getting pucks up to that forward group is going to have to be a priority and, and, and keeping the puck at the other end of the ice, I think, is the, the recipe for success. Any concern? I mean, obviously they, they come away with the win here in overtime, but any concern that it got to overtime considering, you know, at one point you lead this game five, three. I, I don't think so. I really don't, you know, like I, I think it was one of those situations where USA clearly took their foot off the gas. Like it was like, it was like, all right, well, we're up, you know, we're, we're kind of zipping it around and no big deal. And then Canada was like, Hey, we would actually like to win this game. And so the physicality ramped up the intensity ramped up and that's when we saw the four check getting established more by Canada. And so USA kind of had to adjust to that. And I think they were pretty late to adjust to that, but they eventually did. And then it was more even kind of towards the end of the se- the sec, uh, the end of the third period. And then in overtime, I thought that USA's skill um, and speed were more evident than what Canada had. So um, I don't think there's a huge concern for the U S I still think, you know, on paper, they have the best overall team, but as Corey said, there are enough, questions about it where you could say you know yeah they they could be the gold medal favorite but you can make a lot of cases for Canada and, I, and one team that even I, you know I don't know if they'll win gold I don't think they'll win gold but I think even Slovakia is in the mix to be like a medal contending team for this tournament yeah disruptor yeah, for I, sure yeah I think Finland and Slovakia have yeah potentially just dis- disruptors I mean Finland's beat now they didn't when they played Slovakia Slovakia didn't have Adam Gay on in net and they didn't have Dvorsky in but they beat him I think 5-1 and then they beat Czechia 4-1 in the pre-tournament um I know they're missing some key players but that Finland team has has some you know very nice underrated prospects on their team we've talked about the goalies and I, I think we've kind of had a sense that it, it was going to be a battle that would rage for a while, but did you get any clarity between Augustine and Fowler out of these two pre-tournament games? They split them both 50, 50. Nope. And not for Canada either. I have, I mean, I have an, I, I have a guess as who I think will be the quarterfinal goalie for Canada, the U S but I, I would be uh, surprised if you got an honest answer from those coaching stats and you said, who's, starting for you on January 2nd. I'm pretty sure they would say we don't know yet. Uh, because I think for the U.S., I think Jacob Fowler, who had a just a really just okay game today, and Trey Augustine, between his two appearances, had, he, he didn't – I think he's maybe mildly better than Fowler, but not in a significant manner. And then on Canada's side, uh, you know, they started Mathis Rousseau again today to try and get him some more confidence after a so-so showing against Switzerland. And he made a couple of tough saves, but he also let in, you know, you know, some shots he wished he could have back too. And I think Samuel St. Hilaire looked okay when he played. And I just, there's a lot of uncertainty in goal for these two teams. And frankly, I think there's a lot of uncertainty for me going into this tournament as to who are the goal two goaltenders for a lot of these teams. Who is going to be the goalie that shined? It could be someone on, it could be one of the Finnish goalies. It could be Adam Gayon. Will Michael Rabal be leaned on as the Czech goalie? We'll find out. Um, I think particularly on the powerhouses, which is Canada, USA, even Sweden, where we all kind of think Hugo Havel would be their goalie, but he, Hugo Havel hasn't been very good for two years. I think he, he's kind of riding uh, the fact that he had that darling performance at the U18 World Championships, but he's been a sub 900 goalie in Sweden the last two seasons. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a lot of goaltending questions I have going into this tournament. And even on the, the ones that we think are good, like can Adam Guyon repeat what he did last year? Or will he just be a good, not amazing goalie for Slovakia? We're, we're going to see over the coming 10 days.
All right, Corey, as you talked about kind of the uncertainty at goalie, it got me thinking this could be a tournament where we see plenty of fireworks. And I think that is a natural lead in to the all tournament teams and our kind of unofficial, official, however you want to term them predictions here uh, on the on the uh, it's not quite the eve of the tournament, but we're basically at the tournament's doorstep here. So uh, let's just go around and kind of give people a little primer for for who we expect to see in the mix for these teams. Uh, and and I, I think we could probably start with Chris here on this one. If you, if you want to lead us off and give us your uh, expected all tournament forwards. Yeah. So uh, forwards, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. My the the guy that I'm, I've got eyes on to be part of this team, um, even though I'm not, I don't have necessarily high hopes for the team, but I, I think Yuri Kulich is going to be one of the guys. Uh, the amount of t- ice time he's going to get for Czechia, the amount of uh, goals that I expect him to be responsible for for that team. Uh, the fact that they do have a top line that can hang with with other you know top top units, I think that he's he's one of those guys where I just think he's going to get the job done uh, for the checks and be part of it. Um, also, you know, Macklin Celebrini's on my all tournament team. I think that the what we've seen from him for Canada, um, he's their best player. Uh, he's their best player. He's a 17 year old, but he's their best player, uh, most talented, uh, most reliable. He was the best player in the pre tournament game. He didn't have that suspension, so now that wipes that slate clean. So I got Celebrini on it. And then, you know, I, I, I think when, when it's a, when it's a host tournament, you're usually going to probably see somebody from the host country, but I'm not going to do it because I think that the, uh, the amount of goals that I expect the U S to score is pretty high. And I'll tell you, I, I, you know, we've talked about the, the Smith Perot Leonard line and that chemistry. Yeah. I, I am totally bought into that. Uh, but I really think that this is uh, going to be a, a Cutter Goche tournament. I, I, you know, I've he's he was okay today um, against Canada, but I, I think really he's he's going to be a number one center for this team. Rucker McGordy is going to be back. That's going to make that line better. Um, and I think that you know Cutter Goche is going to be a top scorer. So I've I've got Goche, Celebrini, and Kulich as my three for all tournament forwards. I'll agree with you on two of those. I, I like Goche and Celebrini. I I got to go with Philip Beestet on there. I think. You mentioned the host country factor. I also think Sweden's just going to be really successful. And you tend to see these tournament teams skewed in favor of the teams that are uh, still alive at the very end. And I, I expect those to be the three meddling countries. So I'll go one from each of them on my forward all tournament team. Unfortunately, if I had to be honest, my four bout would look exactly like Chris's. But this is this is meant to be a debate format. So I have to say he's extremely wrong on at least oh, one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm going to swap out uh, Yuri Kulich uh, for Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, I'm doing that because I predict that Slovakia has a better chance to go deeper into the into the middle rounds. So he'll get another game or two and uh, a chance to get more points. Because even though I think Yuri Kulich is an excellent prospect, uh, I think this Czech team is significantly weaker than, than last year's team. And, I, and I'm not convinced they can get out of the quarterfinals. All right, uh, Corey, do you want to take us uh, through through the defense uh, here? Sure. I think the the, the one that will be on everyone's uh, pre-tournament predictions will be Lane Hudson. I mean, you saw that the, how he played today. I mean, this is a guy who's scored points at the World Championships level. Uh, I think everyone, like I said, I think expects him to come into this tournament and to provide an impact at this level. Then I think there's there's two other players that I'm looking at to provide a really significant impact at least offensively, and that would be either Axel Sandin Pelica from Sweden or Denton Matejchuk from Canada. As you said before, Max, I think there's going to be a host country bias. 
And I think also think Axel Sandin Pelka is a hell of a player. He's having a great year in Sweden, played this tournament already. So my vote's going to him. I think it's going to be Hudson and Sandin Pelka will be the two best defensemen at this tournament. That would be my guess too, but would it shock you if Elias Salmonson steals the show a little bit as just a huge minutes guy for Sweden? Like I, I think if we're gonna do this on the interest no, of radio, no, he, he's not, he, yeah. Yeah, no, he's not gonna no, they're not even playing him that much. If anybody I think it would be like Will Lander. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna echo you on, on those two, even though it's bad radio, but just trying to look for a little uh, alternate flavor here. Chris, do you have any any shake up for us? Man, going I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I don't want to, but I'm going to have to. So, I mean, I think Axel Sandin Pelica, I mean, he's probably already written an ink on a lot of ballots for, you know, <laughs> for, for the, no, no, you know, no host country bias. They tell us, don't be biased to the host country. They actually do they tell are, us that in writing. They always tell us that. Yes. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And if you, if, so, and they also say, if you like, if you like fill the ballot with all Sweden, you're out, your ballot's out, taking it out. No way. Do they Can't do they it. like will they take out a ballot, you think, if like someone on Sweden has like one point as a forward and he's on the all he's on the all four team for some reason? I would, would hope, out- I would hope so. Well, I think yeah, I think that the double IHF does review them and then like if it's if it's completely unreasonable, they toss it. I mean, and they don't have to tell us. They maybe they don't even look at what we what we write in. Maybe they just pick it themselves. There have been a few years I'm like, did who who voted for this? Um but you know, I think for, for, for me, so yeah, I mean, like if we're being honest, it would be Lane Hudson and Axel Sandin Pelica. But since we have to do this thing where we, we embrace debate, um, we don't have to, nobody's telling us to do that. We're doing it because we, we respect you, the listeners. So I'm going to give you one, uh, similar to Corey's because he stole the whole idea of uh Dalibor Dvorsky. Like, I love that idea. Cause I do think Slovakia is going to have a big tournament. I'm going to throw Maxime Sturback in there as well. Um, I think that he is going to be the big minutes guy for Slovakia this year. Um, I really, they need him. They need him to play a lot and they need him to be very, very good. Um, will the points necessarily be there? I'm not sure. Uh, but he is going to be a guy that's going to, to play a lot of minutes. So, uh, real ballot is Sandine Pelica and Hudson. The fake ballot is Axel Sandine Pelica and Maxime Sturback. And we move on. Do you, only, you submit your ballot to the double? Do you label them real ballot and fake ballot? Submit to and make them. I don't submit to because then that that would be that'd be very much against the rules. And I I I respect the fake. process. Well, the, that's true. The only the only thing I could see that might be t- make a twist in those two would be that uh, you know again maybe Matejchuk has a huge tournament or something. Maybe I yeah. think Oliver Bonk's been pretty good in the pre tournament. Maybe he rises the power play one and gets a big uh, offensive role. But like when watching Sweden and USA. I don't think Sweden or USA has a clear second power play unit, clear power play one. I think there's the ones you look at and you're like, okay, that's probably power play one. But if the other one is going or the other one is fresher, like in terms of just who, you know who's been on the ice, they go to the other one. So like I could see Seamus Casey have a big tournament. I mean, he's having oh, a yeah. hell of a year in Michigan right now. Would it shock you if he had more points than Hudson, had a better tournament than Hudson? It wouldn't shock me. I, I, I think Hudson, you know, we all think Hudson would be better, but I think it's very possible. And like I said, I think, you know, for, based on the pre-tournament of uh, the Landers being leaned on by Sweden, but uh, the second power play guy would be Matthias Havlet, uh, who has yeah. been having a very nice year, you know, big part of this age group before, has been a top defenseman of this age group before. So it wouldn't shock me if he had a big tournament as well. All right, I will go first on the goalies. I've gotten to sit back on these other ones. 
Uh, I am going to take my Slovak here, and I'm going to take Adam Guyon. Uh, I, I think usually when there is a team that kind of disrupts the the powers and puts a scare into somebody, and whether it's in pool play or in a quarterfinal or even in a semifinal, I think the goalie from from that nation uh, tends to get a lot of the credit. And I think Guyon's just also really talented, so I I like him as my uh, alternative goalie. I can't remember the last time a goalie got back to back top goalie at this tournament. Did that, that... Did, did Campbell do it once? I'm trying to no, no, he mm. didn't. No, because he had a great one and then a really bad one. So yeah, yeah, no. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever happened. I mean, yeah. it may have happened at some point, may but we're have, not historians yeah, we, here. You know, yeah. We, we I mean, there is a Google, but but either way, I mean, I I think Max's pick is fine. So uh so so is it my turn, Corey, or are we letting you go next? I can go. Uh oh. I'm gonna be I'll be I'll be a contrarian here and I'm going to go with the uh, Seattle pick on Finland, Nicholas Coco, uh, who, when I've watched him, I think has looked very good. You know, he's athletic, he's intelligent, he's playing against men this year and doing okay at the legal level. Um, like I said, I think Finland, as kind of to the same point Max made, I think they have potential uh, to maybe upset one of the favorites in this tournament. And if they do, I think Coco is going to be a big part of it. You go, Nick Coco. So, I was going to go there. Good job. Yeah. I'm right on top of it. Don't worry about it. I, that's actually a great pick, Corey, because I I I really like him too. I, I watching him at the World Junior Summer Showcase this year, I thought he was one of the better goalies there. Had some really great games, and um, you know, didn't have a lot of help defensively. And I I do wonder if that will be you know necessarily. I, I am a little bit concerned about Finland's blue line. I think it's fine, but you know, I I think that there's you know that'll be interesting to see. So all right, so this is going to be so so you've got you've got. Guyon, we've got Coco. I'm definitely not picking any of the Canadian goalies, so I'll tell you that right now. This is a spoiler alert there. I'm the thing is, is like, so USA, we kind of expect them to tandem this prelim round. Um, but you know, and that and that is usually not a good thing for your chances of winning this award. Um, but there's so much uncertainty surrounding a lot of, you know, like. Will Michael Harop, will Michael Rabal get all the starts for the checks? Will Hugo Havilid be the goalie for Sweden? Um, so I do think, you know, I think that this award is typically won in the quarterfinals, like after, you know, basically uh, that's why Adam Guyon was the guy uh, last year on t- and he also beat USA. So I think, I think with that, um, I am going to say, Trey Augustine. I do think that eventually it is going to be Trey Augustine's net. Um, more that's a, more of a read of the tea leaves than anything definitive because USA will not say who the number one goalie is. They don't want to pick the number one goalie. Um, I think either one of them are are very capable. I actually liked Jacob Fowler a lot today until uh, uh, just a horrific gaffe. Um, in the game, very uncharacteristic of his play uh, normally, but that was not a great moment. Um, but I do think that there's a familiarity with Augustine. I think there's a comfort with him. He's coming into the tournament playing some of his better hockey. He was the the you know, the goalie of the week in, in Big Ten, and I think maybe the goalie of the month of November as well um, in the Big Ten. And, and just, you know, he's played pretty well down the stretch. Uh, I think experience matters, and I do think that you know he'll ultimately be the guy that that gets it. Um, 
But I have also said in recent weeks that I thought Jacob Fowler would be the guy. So uh, take it with a grain of salt, everybody. And that's producer three. producer Chris has chimed in on our prior point, by the way, to say the last time there was a back-to-back top goalie at the World Juniors was back in 1978. So the first two you want to attempt ever... that name, Corey. Hold on, you want you want to attempt that name, Corey? Uh, uh, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> I think I'm going to be... I'm going to do it. I'm going to do. Zinnick? I'm going to try. I'm gonna, I'm going to say Alexander Tijnik. Tijnik. Yeah. Uh, but that that 77 and 78 were the first two official years of the World Juniors. So it has not happened since the first two years the tournament was held. And but. To your point, Max, I think Guyon has the goods. Like, I think there is an absolute case for him. And if we think Slovakia is going to be the disruptor that they can be, like, they have a, I, I was just doing my preview. 11 of their forwards on their current roster played on the team last year. Like, 11. That is a, that is a ton of experience. Um, and then they've got a, a number of first rounders. So watch out for Slovakia. All you, you know, I, I don't give a lot of betting advice, but. Like those, can you even bet on this tournament? You can. There are lines out there. Oh, yeah, (laughs) there are lines out there. And if you were, if you were an, if you were an eagle eyed better three weeks ago, Canada was at like minus 150, and then USA was plus 300 on one of the, on one of the, I'm not sure which one, on one of the sports books. I was like, oh, somebody, somebody doesn't like, I, I, that has changed since the rosters came out, but. Eagle-eyed that's the Rucker effect. That's the McGrady, yeah. right? Or yeah, that's yeah. the we th- we we think Benson's coming back. We think Korchinski's coming back, and yeah. then they don't come back. Yep, yeah. and then it's like, oops. Speaking um, of guys coming back, did, did what did you what did you think of Quatra through the pre-tournament? I think that's kind of been an interesting kind of sub storyline that he kind of comes in as the first line center, first power play. You know, that's probably something that was promised to Boston and to him for being loaned out, and already by the second. Pre-tournament, never mind the real game. He's not on the first line anymore. He's not on the first power play anymore. Yeah, you know what? I, I think we've talked about this offline a little bit. Like, I think Quatra as a complementary player is is a really good fit. He's a good fit as a complementary player. He is not the guy, and he can't. I don't think that there's any. You know, the guy is Macklin Celebrini. That's pretty much been established. But Quatra, you you expect him to play up your lineup. You expect him to do all those things, but. You know, you're also now putting him in a situation. He's just been playing with NHL players. Playing with junior players is a completely different step. Uh, I think he has the hockey sense. The reason that he that he plays so well in the NHL is he's such a smart player, um, and he knows where to be, knows where to put the puck, and different things like that. And now he's playing with players that don't have that same level. I don't think. Um, and so that's that's going to be interesting to watch. But yeah, I mean, through the two games that I saw him play, you know, I there. The first one, I kind of chalk it up to he just got there. He's getting familiar. And then against USA, he had a couple of looks, but never was really a, a huge threat. So um, definitely a little yeah. bit of a concern, but, you know, it is what it is. There's quite a few of those Canadian fours that are looked kind of vanilla, even though, they, again, they had the 45 shots today and, they've won, and you know, goes to overtime, five goals. But I think they scored six against Switzerland. I might be misremembering the, the number. Um you know, I think there's a few of them that have looked pretty vanilla. Like I think, like you know, like Poitra. I think Fraser Minton, for a guy who's played NHL games, hasn't really stood out. Both of the NHL players haven't really, I think, stood out. Like I think Jordan Dumay, the prolific QMJHL scorer, hasn't really stood out in a major way. Um, yeah, I so I, even Massavoy, given how prolific a junior scorer he's been, 
he's gotten his points, but I wouldn't say he's been extremely noticeable. So I think they are really hoping a lot of these uh, forwards take a step when the real game starts. All right, let's go now to our uh, our final predictions here. And uh, Chris, you had three, I think, Americans on your team. Does that mean you've got the U.S. to win gold? I do, and you know, I have. I always feel like so. I I obviously cover the U.S. very closely and have for a long time, and so I always feel like I kind of know their warts really well. And so I, as a result, that has led for many years uh, me not picking them as opposed to picking them to win the tournament. Um, so this year I am picking them. Um, I think, you know, you've got eight first round draft picks in your top nine forwards. You've got, um, a number of players that can play in a lot of different situations. You have essentially two first power play units. You have two goaltenders that you can trust to be a number one for your team. Um, and you know, you have seven returning players and, and I think that that is, uh, the way this lineup is structured, even with the, the, the defense kind of being a bit of a question mark. Um, I do think they're going to get challenged and pushed in those tougher games, uh, but I do think that they have enough to kind of survive that. Um, I think they'll get the goaltending necessary to be a competitive team here. Um, So in the end, yes, I will. I'm going to go ahead and pick the United States for gold, which uh, may be the kiss of death, as it were. Silver and bronze. My silver medal pick is going to be Sweden. Um, I, I just think that they, I think, both USA and Sweden will finish atop their groups in the in the pre-tournament or in the preliminary round, um, and I think that'll create a path very conducive to both of them playing um, in the gold medal game. Uh, and then for bronze, uh, I've been waffling between Canada and Slovakia, so I'm going to go off the beaten path. I'm going to say Slovakia. All right, Corey, how about you? Uh, I the the gold and silver picks uh, would be similar for me. Uh, I I've thought coming, you know, maybe a week ago that I would have picked Canada to be the top team in that group. But like I said, they didn't get, you know, you know, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, but they didn't get Benson back from Buffalo. They did not get Gorchinski from Chicago. Uh, you know, they, you've, you know, watching the first two games, Matt Quattro hasn't really stood out, even though he looked so good in Boston uh, through the first few months of the NHL season. And then you, then you lose Tristan Luno, you lose Tanner Molendijk. Uh, and the combination of that makes me think that it will be uh, Sweden who comes out, uh, and you know, and and makes the the gold medal game instead of Canada. And then in terms of the bronze medal, uh, I would pick Canada to win that. I still think they have their issues, but this is still an extremely talented team, deep team. Uh, yes, they have goalie questions, but plenty of other teams have goalie questions too, and uh, and they would be my pick for the bronze. I'm going to go with Sweden to win it. Uh... Shades of the Swedish U18 team winning it as the host country a few years back. I also think they're just really deep everywhere on the roster. Uh, and I think that extra host boost gets it done for them. U.S. as the silver and Canada or the bronze. Who do you think is Sweden's best player? Um, I mean, I, I get the question. The question is like, who's who's their like go-to and a difference maker? I think Bistet is such a handful down low, and he was super productive with this tournament last year. It wouldn't shock me if he has like a 13, 14 point tournament this time around. And I think that the depth this time you get the Ogren, Oslin, Lakarabaki. I think it's a depth thing more than it is a right. I guess my question is you could pick Bistet, you could pick Oslin, you could pick I think Bistet. you could pick Axel Zan and Pelica, and then after you pick whichever guy you pick. I'd ask you how many 
players down the U.S. lineup do you go before you say, I prefer the guy on Sweden to the guy on the U.S.? So that, that would be my counter argument on that front. Yeah, I, I, I hear it. I mean, I hear it. I, I just think that it is a deep lineup that I get the USA is deep forward wise, too. I think I prefer Sweden's blue line to the, to the U.S. Yes. And I think it's a toss up on goal. I think talent wise, you'd expect the U.S. to be better. But we have seen in the past that it doesn't always work out that way. I don't know. I mean, I'll take it a little bit of a shot here. I don't want to copy right. you guys either. Right. <laughs> just just uh, I think that the case. But, but I agree on the blue line difference. U.S. of the three contenders, USA's blue line is third out of third. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think, you know, when you talk about even like the star power there, like it, it's not necessarily that you need to be the biggest star to be one of the most impactful players at this turn. Like if you're, especially the size that Beastead has, I don't think any, either USA or Canada have a guy who can cause that kind of havoc necessarily. So that's where I lean. That's why he's on my alternative team. And that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. We will have a lot more for you throughout the World Junior Tournament. You can catch more of Chris over at Flow Hockey. And more from us at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show from right now through the end of the year, you can gift a one-year subscription to the athletic for $19.99 or a two-year subscription for $39.99. When you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show, talk to you soon and happy holidays.